Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. My passion is to encourage women with the truth of the gospel and to bring a little bit more beauty into the the lives of everyone I meet. So, a little bit about my journey. Polly called me in January to ask me about coming and sharing with you all. And I was at a really low point in my life at that time. And it felt really crazy to say yes to this. But at the same time, I, I felt a stirring in my heart that maybe, just maybe, God would bring good from what the journey that I had been on, the brokenness I had been feeling, and maybe he could use my story for good. When she told me the topic, I I just told her, I said, Polly, I I don't think I, I should do this. I think you need to find someone else. I am not adequate to share this. I struggle with taking my thoughts captive, and it's Not something I have figured out, but I want to tell you that I know that God does use us in our weaknesses. That is where we are effective, and I come to you today with um, humility, recognizing I don't have this figured out. I'm just sharing what God is teaching me, and I hope that you can learn along with me. And it's kind of funny, really, because God knew that by giving me this topic, I'd have to dig in, and I'd have to learn, and I'd have to study, and he is teaching me so much. So isn't it interesting how it's just one little thought, one thought, that will take us down a wrong road? Um, so there's sometimes you see a picture on Facebook. You know, maybe that one of this gorgeous arrangement of flowers and then this delicious meal. And there's this caption underneath, and, the, and this girl says, Ah, oh, these beauties showed up at my house this morning after my husband served me breakfast in bed. And it's that morning that we argued, and he left without even giving me a kiss goodbye. It doesn't take very long for me to walk down the wrong road and to start comparing, and it leads nowhere good. And I'm soon in the depths of despair, to borrow a line from Anne of Green Gables. (laughs) It's time to take my thoughts captive. (laughs) Did you know that research shows that 75 to 98% of mental, physical, and behavioral illness is a direct result of one's thought life? That blows my mind. Thinking and feeling anger, fear, And frustration actually causes DNA to change shape according to those feelings and creates a sort of shutdown in our body. But all of those symptoms can be reversed by feelings of joy, appreciation, love, and gratitude. We are capable of renewing our minds by our choices and staying connected to the vine. So, that's all fine and good, but what about when you're going through an incredibly painful season? What about when there is stress in your life and you simply have no choice but to walk through it? For us, that recently came, we came through a several-year season like that. For two years, we were under extreme pressure uh, because of Eddie's role as chairman of a multi-million dollar company. He had to oversee through bankruptcy. 
Um, it was actually um, 30 farms in the area that invested into a milk plant to try to um, ship our milk through there and hopefully have better profits, but we actually ended up losing a lot of money. Then he became chairman, and he had to go to a lot of meetings. He was gone all the time. He was meeting with lawyers. He was under an incredible amount of stress and basically unable to be present for me. As a mom of two young children, I often felt like a single mother, and I didn't honestly know if our marriage would survive, but by the grace of God, it has. At the same time, he was also helping to manage a business in Pennsylvania, as well as run the farm here at home. The burden we felt we were under was just, it just felt unrelenting. It was a period of about two years before that bankruptcy was resolved and some of the stress in our lives was alleviated. But Eddie still had more on his plate than he could handle and our lives were rather chaotic. I began to notice I didn't have the emotional strength I'd had at one point. I cried easily and often. I had internalized the stress and negative emotions, and it was taking a toll on my body. We began to see that changes were needed to be made in our lifestyle, so slowly but surely we prayed, and as we were obedient to the Spirit, we began to see those happen. We ended up selling our cows. We had a dairy farm at the end of 2017, and that took an enormous weight off of us, both financially and mentally. And shortly after that, it was apparent that the business we were a part of in Pennsylvania was coming to an end. And around that time, we experienced betrayal from someone very close to us. On the heels of that, I walked beside another person I dearly loved as they navigated heartbreak in their life. I can't really share the details of these situations, but the combination of all of those things happening just brought me down. I remember falling to my knees one day in anguish as I heard news that rocked my world. I was broken. I felt the effects of deep betrayal. I was holding my husband as he wept. He laid awake for hours at night trying to resolve these situations that he did not, he did not create. I became deeply depressed often crying and totally felt overwhelmed by my life. At the same time, I was still caring for a baby, trying to homeschool two children, love my family. I felt like I hit the bottom. And even though I prayed, I just could not feel the tangible presence of Jesus in that time. But he was there. He was. He never abandons us in those places. And he often sent visible reminders of his love for me. And one of those reminders was actually really big. Um, my sister-in-law let me know that she found a baby grand piano. And it was only $300. It was an old one. And I went to look at it. I played that thing. I fell in love at the first note. And I, we brought it, I mean, we got it moved home. And, you know, as I played that over and over, I'd see it sitting in my house. I played songs on it. And it was just a tangible reminder that God cared for me. He cared for my heart. He cared about what I was walking through. 
and it was a visible sign of his love for me. You know, as I walked through that valley over the past six years, there was several seasons of that. And there was lots of times that I really didn't even feel like I had the energy to take my thoughts captive. I'm sure you all have been there. There's times we're just so low, we don't feel like we can even do that. Sometimes I just prayed a very simple prayer. It was just, help me, God. That's it. And he did. As I grew stronger, I began to feel the, the spirit urging me to tell him that I was trusting him to bring good out of these situations. And, you know, even just speaking that out, that declaration gave my feet a firm place to stand. And it sparked hope in my soul. And then after Polly called me to speak here at this retreat, I was praying about the answer. And I was walking to the wash line. I know exactly where I was. I felt God speak so clearly to me. And he said this, I never waste your pain. I never waste your pain. That message sustained my spirit, and I'm here to share that with you too. You all know pain. Some of you have walked through the deep valley of infertility, marriage problems. Some of you face financial difficulties that you don't see your way out of. And some of you have lost family members to death. How do you take your thoughts captive in these painful places? And does it even make a difference? I want us to pull out our worksheets that's, that are in your folders. And I'm going to start going over that with you. All right. I'm going to read our theme verse that's at the top of the page from 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So, that first little phrase, we demolish arguments. I got to be honest, the first thing that came to my mind when I see the word demolish is chip on demo day. Is there any? Oh, good. You all are fixer-upper fans. I knew I'd love you. I mean, he just goes tearing through a wall, and he just knocks it down. He destroys those old houses, doesn't he? And then he creates something new. Okay, I love that. And I had to think about, you know, I don't really have much experience with demo. Me and my husband aren't really DIY sort of people. (laughs) I kind of jokingly say that it takes him six months to hang up a picture, and it's not even really a joke. (laughs) That's just hanging a picture, so we don't DIY too much at our house. Anyway, um, I know that when you demolish something, it doesn't look at all like it used to, okay? Um, It doesn't bear any resemblance to what it had been. This verse says that every warped philosophy... Every argument, every view we have that is in opposition to God must be demolished. How do we do this? Okay, number one, we recognize the weapons that God has given us. I am going to, I'm going to read 
our theme verse, but in the message version, because I just love how it explains these thoughts. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstacle and building lives of obedience into maturity. We've been given weapons, powerful God tools to destroy strongholds through the Spirit. Um, What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a fortress that protects those beliefs that oppose God. So imagine with me an old fortress like one of those old stone structures you see in medieval that were built in medieval times, maybe over in Europe somewhere. But they have thick walls, right? They're tall. Is it possible to to bring that down with, with just bare hands? No, absolutely not. We have to have special equipment if we're going to tear down a fortress. Our equipment is the Spirit of God and the word of God. We have to use it. We have to believe it. Uh, Number two, rein in your thoughts. Okay, our thoughts don't come naturally obeying Christ. I mean, it's kind of like a toddler. My little girl doesn't come being obedient. She was this morning just pulling toilet paper off the toilet roll, just unrolling and unrolling. Like, no, I didn't tell her no. So if you see a mess in the bathroom, it was her. Um, I didn't come naturally being obedient. My thoughts naturally do not obey God. I have to literally chain them up. It's like a criminal. Um, if, if the police get a call that someone has broken into a house, they don't say, well, I just really, really hope he doesn't do that again. No. They show up, they put the handcuffs on, and they take him to jail or they deal with him in some way. And we have to do that with our thoughts Either we take our thoughts captive or we become captive to our thoughts. Write that down if you want to. That is something that hit me. That was from God. That wasn't my thought. Either we take our thoughts captive or we become captive to our thoughts. And trust me, I've been there a lot. I know. And you all probably know too. We don't have any other option. We either live in obedience to thoughts of depression, fear, comparison, or we choose to capture them and make them obey Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 6 says, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. A book that I've been reading that Eddie um, introduced me to that has been so helpful with this is called Switching Your Brain, and it is written by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She's actually a a scientist, and she's also a believer, and she interweaves her uh, findings, her scientific research, actually, with the Word of God, and it's powerful. And I actually have two copies along that are going to get raffled off later on today for two of you ladies. 
Um, the next thing I noticed in these verses is that we must renew our mind. It is impossible to detect wrong thoughts unless you know the truth. The people who are, are trained to find counterfeit money must first know the real thing. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Our minds are renewed as we spend time in the Word of God and as we listen to the Spirit And we also have to pay such careful attention to who we listen to. I have seen people's lives go down the wrong path because of who they paid attention to. They built their lives on the words of someone who did not follow the Spirit. We must also ask the Spirit to daily renew our minds. I don't do that every day like I should, but I, when I ask Him for that, he, he really honors that prayer. Let's do that. Let's make that a daily habit of asking Him to do that for us. The next thing, um, number four, replace the lies with truth. So to me, this step is actually as important as taking your thoughts captive. Because when we just focus on the struggle, when we just focus on the lies, when we focus on all the negative things, we're looking down. Our gaze is down. It's on ourselves. It, and, and when we actually think about the truth, our, our gaze is turned up. Our focus is at the Lord. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, sisters, whatever is true... Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So dwelling on any thoughts that are not in these categories, they're going to ultimately bring death to your spirit. When you're tempted with wrong thoughts, like we all are, ask yourself, what is the truth? What is good and lovely? And honestly, as soon as I typed all these things in, that day I got hit with just a barrage of negative thoughts. And I had to keep working on doing this very thing. So I'm right here with you. Sometimes when I look at my friends or other women, I compare myself to them. Anybody else know what that's like? I wish I didn't do that because I basically never measure up, whether it's in appearance or giftings or relationships. These thoughts lead down a wrong road. They lead to self-pity, discouragement, and depression. They are not from God. Instead, I have to rein them in and ask God, how do you see me? The Word of God says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It says that I am called by name. It says that I am more than a conqueror. And I have an inheritance in heaven. That is what I need to dwell on. And that is worth dwelling on. The last thing 
I see here is release the presence and character of God into your circumstance. When we were walking through business crises, there was a lot that could go very, very wrong financially for us, relationally. I made it a point to claim God as our defense attorney. And you know what? I saw very specific answers to that prayer. Even in the last several weeks, I have seen it. I just told Eddie on the way here this morning something else he told me. I said God was our defense attorney. He answered that prayer. Instead of facing financial ruin, God is blessing us, and he is bringing us out of that time of difficulty. When Eddie was gone for long periods of time, I claimed God as my husband. In the pain of broken relationships, I declared that God would redeem and restore. Now, you could say, oh, that's great. Worked out perfectly for you. Good for you. No, not all my prayers have been answered. There's a lot of things that are still broken that have not been mended. But when I pray those prayers, when I declare God's faithfulness, I essentially give him the keys to my situation. I release the power of God to come into that situation and to break strongholds and to do his work. The verse in 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. When we choose to do this in faith, ladies, that spirit of fear gets broken. And we will see strongholds come down in our lives as we declare the truth of God's word. Did you know God wants you to be free even more than you do? He does. So let's come into agreement with him and let's see what he will do. I've got a, there's a devotional I read just the other week that struck me, and I thought I would share that with you here. It was written by Hannah Whitehall-Smith. She says this, this is a prayer we need to pray for ourselves and one another. Lord, open our eyes so we may see. We are surrounded just as the prophet Elisha was by God's horses and chariots of fire waiting to transport us to places of glorious victory. Once our eyes are opened by God, we will see all the events of our lives, whether great or small, joyful or sad, as a chariot for our souls. Everything that comes to us becomes a chariot the moment we treat it as such. On the other hand, the smallest trial may become an object crushing everything in its path into misery and despair if we allow it. The difference then becomes a choice we make. It all depends not on the events themselves, but on how we view them. If we simply lie down, allowing them to roll over and crush us, they become an uncontrollable car of destruction. Yet, if we climb into them as riding in a car of victory, they become the chariots of God to triumphantly take us onward and upward. 
Amen. Ladies, as we take our thoughts captive, as we renew our minds and we replace the lies with truth, the Holy Spirit will enable us to break free from bondage in our personal lives, in our marriages, in our homes, in our churches, in our world. We are not victims, crushed by the chariots of our circumstances. We are victors. We ride the chariot of God, carrying the torch of his truth to the next generation.